Welcome to The Clean Slate with your hosts, Daniel Garza and Carson Phillips, providing you with movie news, reviews, and more. Sit back, relax, and don't forget to go to the concessions to get your popcorn and drinks. For your entertainment, this is The Clean Slate Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Clean Slate Podcast. It's Nolan Vember, and Hello, we just got everyone. off of our... Uh, oh, that's Daniel. All that's right. his name. I'm Carson. Sorry, forgot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we just got off of our 31 nights, days of Halloween. We yep. just... Uh, this is our second year doing it, second year of podcasting. Yeah, guys. So we're actually, like, more mature now. Yeah, we're different people. You know, we're more well-rounded. So we're going to be talking about... The every film bro's favorite director, Christopher Nolan. Nolan, Nolan Vember. Um, yeah, guys, we didn't. I mean, I I don't know if you're recovered yet after 31 days. I am not. Um, no, I was like, dang it, I have to watch movies. I know. So. <laughs> we I just was finished like, on Tuesday. Oh, now we have one coming out today, so it's just like, yeah, it was. Just, it was two movies too. Yeah, and we so did. I two. feel like. <laughs> I had no time to. I barely. I don't even know how I watched them, to be honest. All right, guys. So we are going to talk about. I mean, he is my favorite director, but I just feel like because he's so well known now, it's it's kind mm-hmm. of annoying to be like, oh, Christopher Nolan's my favorite uh, director. I mean, I used to love J.J. Abrams, but R.I.P. That guy has just been poopy. Yeah, it's <laughs> more more of a producer now. Yeah, but um, Christopher Nolan is still hot. He's at the top of his game. Yeah, and he is – there's a lot of good things coming up on him, so we wanted to kind of give him a highlight this month. Yeah, and I think he's someone that's kind of a crowd favorite. Like, almost everyone that's seen a movie has seen a – I think you've seen a Christopher Nolan movie at some point. Yeah. Um, At least The Dark Knight you've seen or Inception, Yeah, Dark Knight, Inception. Those are the big ones that I feel like everyone has seen. Yeah, and then more recently Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer was amazing. Um, That's true. That had a great turnout for an R-rated film, oh, too. Yeah, it was amazing. Decent turnout. Okay, cool. So let's talk about it. Um, guys, he is let's talk about sex, a, baby. an acclaimed let's writer about and director, and born in 1970, 1970 in London, England. And uh, he has been making films for about 15 years. How long? 15? Yeah. He has such a – it's great to know – I sometimes I get really depressed thinking about how some of my favorite directors are like 80 and they're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> like Scorsese, uh, Ridley Scott. Yeah, Ridley um, Scott's 80 or I mean like he's older? He's old. He's like, let me see. Yeah, he was born in 1937, dude. Holy crap. He's um, actually the director of Rebecca's show right now, The Good Wife. Rebecca's like he, he directed or, or he writer, I'm sorry, he's a writer. Yeah. Oh, okay. I love Ridley Scott. No, but yeah, it's like great to know that Nolan has a decent because he's still young. He has a, a probably hopefully a big career ahead of him because you know like yeah. someone like Tarantino is gonna retire. So yeah, he's Tarantino's like this is like one of the bigger close. like good directors that we still have. I mean, there's other ones, but yeah, guys. So some yeah. of his notable films um, that we're going to talk about, we're not going to talk about every single All one of them, it's but too much. we're we're talking about. Um, following, which is we're talking about today, you know, he's done things like Memento. He's done all the Batman Begins, Prestige, um, The Dark Knight, Inception, Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. He also did Interstellar, Dunkirk, Tenant, and Oppenheimer. Those are his biggest films right now. 
And so we're going to just take a collection of those and just kind of talk about him, talk about his writing themes and what he normally goes into, um, how that plays out through the script and how, I mean, how smart of a writer he is. And we were just talking yeah. about this off podcast, but that he's like, he, he didn't study filmmaking in college. He actually studied, um, what English. was it? Yeah. He studied literary. What well, he was encouraged to by his dad, I guess he's like, Hey, it's cool if you do film, but I want you to study something else. That way you have a different approach than other filmmakers, which I think that is, there's some truth in that. Like for sure. Like his background, yeah. you can tell, like he puts those themes in like it's a novel. You know, what's funny is I'm, I hate you so much. Uh, a couple of things on him is that he something wrote uh, or this thing that I'm reading says he intentionally directed his Batman film so he could get the funding and support for his bigger films. The one he had planned funny. for years, which was Inception. Um, he considers Stanley Kubrick, Michael Mann, Ryan Ridley Scott, Orson Welles as his primary influences. And we're going to just jump right into it. We wanted to give a little writer, producer, director spotlight yeah. oh, on I guess it's also and, important yeah, to to note that he often works with his brother Jonathan yes and his wife or I guess she was his girlfriend during the filming of following mm-hmm. but she's produced every film he's done yes like, since then which is also really cool that mm-hmm. you know they keep it in the family I think his brother too he's uh he was he worked on uh what was it Westworld and his wife also has worked on all of his projects too which is just kind of cool that they keep it like as a family unit that's kind of rare in hollywood i feel like yes one thing though he does have a brother his name is <laughs> matthew francis nolan who is cool guy. um he is best known for being the brother of all of them and um more recently though most people are probably not aware that he is the third brother in the family and he and his fame does not come with the entertainment industry, Matthew. <laughs> this says the eldest brother has uh, quite a checkered past. Um, so pretty much, guys, he was he was hired as a hitman, um, and he killed nice. the guy, and now he's in prison. So, that so he wasn't is, a good hitman. <laughs> no, he's not a good hitman. So don't hire Matthew Nolan. So let's get into following. This will be the first movie. Yes. We're going to talk about two of them today. So we're going to talk about following and prestige. Um, following you will probably have to rent. Um, also if you are the type of person to buy movies, I don't know why I'm showing the camera like they can see. Right. Uh, there's a really cool criterion collection edition of it. I don't own many Nolan movies on Blu-ray. This is one of the only ones I own. Um, but yeah, so that's cool. If you guys like special features and stuff, this has like commentaries and a re-edit of the film and all sorts of fun stuff. Nice. Okay, cool. So here we go. A young writer who follows strangers from material meets a thief who takes him under his wing. Sick. Right. <laughs> that's, I guess that's it, but I feel like there's yeah. a little bit more. I mean, yes, but also no. That's pretty much the plot. So why don't you go a little bit deeper into what it is? Yeah, so we have this character, a young writer, unemployed, whatever. He's um, just, he's not working, and he just starts following strangers, which is really weird. And there's kind of like this noir-style voiceover from time to time in the film, too, um, which is kind of cool because this is, you know, noir member as well. But 
Yeah, so he's following people around, and then one day, someone who he's following around takes notice of him, and he's like, hey, I follow people around too, and I do all this weird crap, like breaking into people's houses when they're gone and drinking their wine and hanging out. But it's not necessarily, yeah, sniffing panties. That straight up happens in this movie, like, multiple times. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he's kind of showing him the ropes of, like, how do you break into houses and mess with people psychologically is really what's going on, because he's not necessarily stealing many things of value um it's often him just like wanting to mess with people like leaving someone else's earring in a different house just to cause chaos there's more to the story than that uh but some of that is revealed towards the end of the film so i don't want to give away the ending but that's that classic line of some men just want to watch the world burn (laughs) yeah no literally these it's like psycho like what they're doing is straight up demented because they're not really making a lot of money off it well, what he does do for money is he steals, like, credit card info, um, yeah. stuff like that. But, yeah, so the majority of it is just them causing chaos. And this new guy wants to do it on his own, and he gets, like, a makeover. Um, something this film is important to keep in mind. This is something that Nolan does a lot in his films, and so it's cool that it's evident in this first one, is it jumps around in time yeah. from a narrative standpoint. So it's not necessarily a linear film. Um yeah, so it's it's cool to see some of that stuff show up early on in Nolan's career. Yeah. But, yeah. Um something that I found were, which was kind of interesting about this movie is that he um Christopher Nolan actually came up with the idea for this film because his home was actually broken into and wondered what Ooh. people thought as they went around looking th- through his belongings. And um anyway, That's but so yeah, creepy. he he was actually a 29-year-old when this movie came or when he was making this movie maybe yeah. 26 i mean 27 28 depending on that but he was making it with a lot of his college friends mm-hmm. and like a lot well, of what, the actors, it was only like what six thousand euros yeah it was make. only a six thousand dollar budget 16 millimeter film and i think it was mostly that's where the budget mostly went and it was all out of nolan's own pocket yeah and it was like, a single camera handheld the most yeah. the entire movie and it looks good actually like it looks damn good for this cheap of a film yeah, that might that might be the film doing some magic, but uh, the film stock. But all right, cool. Well, let's quickly yeah. do some likes and dislikes of this. I think you kind of already mentioned some of your likes. Do you have any uh, dislikes? I mean, dislikes like this is very obviously a first attempt at a feature film. This is yeah. a fully formed Christopher Nolan. But, like, it's hard to judge these early films of directors. Mm-hmm. They're more of, like, a weird novelty in some ways. Like, I can't say this is one of my favorite Christopher Nolan films. It is enjoyable to watch. It's right. much shorter than his other films. But, yeah, it's overall pretty great. I think some of the acting is a little, um, what's the dicey. word? <laughs> Maybe dicey. Kind of stiff. Yeah. From the from mainly the guys. The two main guys are stiff. I feel like the actress does a better job than the... Yeah, she does two main guys so um yeah i don't know if they've gone on to do anything or not um but yeah the i think it's lucy russell john nolan's in this movie too as an Mm -hmm. actor which is kind of funny but yeah i think she does the best in this the guys i feel like could have done a little bit better like they just don't feel like lived in characters but yeah overall cool movie um they don't really have too many complaints at all i mean i guess the plot could be it could use a little bit of cleaning up in certain ways. I feel like the twist ending of sorts is not, I feel like it should have just been like a more of a slice of life than like the kind of ending they went for. But yeah, overall really good movie. 
Um, okay, cool. Yeah, so actually, the main actor, whose name is Jeremy Theobald, Jeremy uh-huh. Theobald, he has been in a couple of other um, Christopher Nolan films. So he was in Tenant. He played oh, really? Steward. He was also in Batman Begins, and he has been in two uh, other Christopher Nolan shorts. So like been with smaller him for, roles, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing too crazy. But it's cool that he keeps him around, though. You know, that's yeah, a that is good nice. friend. Um, yeah, it's nice, Carson. So just remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> you too, fool. <laughs> Whatever. Um, okay, so yeah, I would say overall it was a very enjoyable movie. Kind of like what you said, it's it's good to mm. watch his early stuff to really appreciate where he's like started and now how like almost intense and like in um what is it called intense and intentional too of how he makes his films like they're so good and i love the themes that he plays with and you and i were talking about this beforehand but like christopher nolan is kind of the only one in the space that continues to play with these themes like regularly and he just does it so well uh so i I really like it. And he always kind of has a time theme. I mean, you can look at that in like Interstellar, Inception. Even his soundtracks. Even this soundtrack, I don't, it's not his normal music collaborator. I don't think, you know, it's not, it's not, what's his name? Um, Yeah. And even there, there is some, um, some of that too, or a lot of it in Prestige where. Oh wait, the same guy did the soundtrack for this and the Prestige. Oh, makes sense. (laughs) It's um, David Julian. But he also works with uh, what's his name? We love him, Hans, Hans Zimmer. Yeah, but like he always, all of his music always has this kind of like tick tock kind of thing yeah. going on, and that's very evident cool. in Interstellar. So yeah, no, I think oh, the only, the only thing that I just didn't like, I didn't think the writing was as strong, but yeah. like it wasn't hard to follow along. But kind of what you said, like it was, it was just not the best writing I've enjoyed from christopher nolan but again mm-hmm. it's hard to do it's hard to critique something that he did when he was like 27 and <laughs> so i was like that's yeah that's like you know someone critiquing my short and being like yeah. oh yeah the writing sucked <laughs> yeah. like yeah i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> i mean i mean you watch any director's first works mm-hmm. it's gonna be something different like you yeah, shouldn't exactly. expect that. but i think all like that to say you can see the growth of especially for something like inception for him to take such an in like insane concept like inception mm-hmm. and really break it down just for the average joe to understand like oh yeah it is a credit to now his writing is so perfect uh so yeah all that to say, the following, not the best movie in the world, but I think it is of note to watch. If you're a fan, and, um, you got to watch it. Yeah, and to to just like look look at look and see what he was doing. So, yeah. All right, that's it for the following. Let's move on to Prestige. Ooh, the Prestige. So, a when lot you of- joked and said you didn't like this movie, I was so pissed for a second <laughs> because I was like, are you serious? Like this is like top nolan for me like this might be number two or maybe number three yeah it's like one of my favorite films from him i think after memento this is like his next huge movie right that he did well batman begins came out oh it did okay okay yeah which is crazy because like he must have been like oh i love christian bell (laughs) right so yeah this movie did come out technically almost 10 years later from um 12 years no eight years later after um following and I mean, eight years—that's 
that's pretty insane to now have yeah, this, and then he has crazy this crazy cast. cast. Oh my gosh, this cast yeah, is let insane. Yeah, let me let me read this cast to you guys. Yes, Michael Caine, <laughs> ScarJo, Rebecca Hall, Andy Serkis, and freaking David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously Hugh Jackman and Christopher or not Christopher and um <laughs> Christian, Christian Bell. Christian Bell. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty great. But also it is crazy that David Bowie's in this movie. I don't know why he's in this, but it's just so weird. <laughs> Yeah, and it's and it's not even like, I mean, Memento had a decent cast. It had Guy Pierce and Carrie Ann Moss. Oh yeah, which are pretty That's big true. name actors. Old this actors, feels bigger though. But this is just huge. This is such a sacked cast. And were he, these actors all like at the top of their game during this too? Like I feel like I don't know. They were right. Christian like, Bale, I would say so. Hugh Jackman, I don't think so. I think Chris. I think was Hugh he Jackman. Already Wolverine though. Um, what was this? Two thousand six. Yeah, he was. I think he started Wolverine so in two thousand one, two thousand three. That's a pretty good catch for I think Hugh Jackman to do something a little bit more serious. Yeah, Wolverine. Because um, he's like a classically trained actor. Like he's like Hugh the, Jackman, the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, dude, he's such a good actor. There's a couple but he parts in get there that I was kind of like, roles. I was like, okay. But yeah, that's also what I was looking up. I looked up like Hugh Jackman. I was like, what is Hugh Jackman best for besides X-Men? And yeah, I feel he like he gets screwed over. He, X-Men no one cast took him a in, like, lot of movies. his career, which is kind of mm-hmm. kind of sad. I mean, Les Mis, he's great in Les Mis. Van Helsing is a good movie, but I don't know if the he's acting so is what you're good. going to watch for. He's so good in The Greatest Showman. I just got to say. I hate. Okay, okay. I'm going to be honest. The Go Greatest ahead. Showman can suck my... Oh my gosh. Because you got to bleep it out. You got to bleep it you, out. You didn't even say it. You bleeped yourself out. <laughs> no, that movie sucks. You're just I mad because movie. you're unhappy. You're unhappy with your life. And the movie P. T. Barnum is, is one. He's a fraud in real life. First okay, of all. but that, we don't have to look at the real story. We can we can save that for that's our, our That's our upcoming episode. Yeah, the, probably. <laughs> okay, but hang on, hang on. The movie is so happy. It, it's overwhelming. But what is wrong happy. with that? What is wrong with There's something happy movie? Wrong. I feel it feels cheap to me. I don't know. No, it, it's because he's arrogant and selfish. That's the unhappy part. His family's Should not we watch happy. it for Christmas. Honestly, I would be down. It's not a Christmas movie, but I'd be down. I'd love that movie. I feel like it came out at Christmas, so it can be. No, a it definitely movie. didn't come out at Christmas. Okay, cool. So Maybe. let's talk about prestige. After a tragic accident, two stage magicians in 1890s London engage in a battle to create the ultimate illusion while sacrificing everything they have to outwit each other. Ooh, that's pretty much it. Like, I don't want to, like, give a full plot explanation too much. Yeah, no, we don't have to. There's too much to spoil. Uh, But can I go right into my likes? Yeah, do it. So this one has similar themes to following the kind of this idea of obsession and competitive nature between these two guys. Um, There's also like this very interesting, like Tesla versus Benjamin Franklin thing going on as well. That kind of is like a similar thing to what these two magicians are doing or no Thomas Jefferson, whoever did the light bulb. I don't know. Thomas Edison, thank you. <laughs> yeah, him and Tesla, they're they're like war. The current war is kind of like in the backdrop of this as well, which is interesting. Or like, there's themes of like science versus actual trickery. Um, like, is there real magic in the world? Is it just science? Should some stuff be messed with? So there's all these like really cool themes. But honestly, for me, this movie feels like a magic trick, 
like they're describing magic tricks like the setup like in a, as a three act play almost is how it's set up uh, and i think that's really cool to see that play out in the film that way because yeah you do kind of know what's going on like daniel said he figured out one of the big twist of sorts um pretty early on which you, when you rewatch it too if, if for some reason you don't catch it that quickly it is so obvious how much foreshadowing for everything is even like like what's going on with hugh jackman's character that's foreshadowed from the beginning um which is really cool i like that and once you know what's happening with his character it makes it like an even better like tragic fun story uh also this does do the whole non-linear thing it kind of frames it a little bit different I think Nolan really took off with the like voiceover thing, which again is evident in like a lot of noir films. But in this, he kind of does it through these two separate journals from these two different guys that they're reading throughout the film. Um, so that really helps a lot with the storytelling. And I think is a cool stylistic choice. And you see that in like all the dark Knight films and other Nolan films. So I loved all that. My only dislike, I mean, it's hard for me to even dislike anything. I think some of the special effects could have aged slightly better. Um, mainly with this disappearing act. Like, I don't know. It doesn't look as good as it could, in my opinion. But this is a old 2006 film, so I'm cool with that overall. Uh, I also feel like Christopher Nolan is bad at writing female characters. Like, Scar Jo doesn't do much in this movie and she's a good actress so i feel like she was underused if anything but yeah overall cool movie don't have many dislikes and yeah i really enjoyed it uh, likes and dislikes there's not a lot of dislikes for this i do have some but well actually i don't really have any that are of note or worth noting i, I would just say that it, it for me never seeing this it w- it was very predictable for me which sometimes takes out the element of it, especially when I think about stuff like Interstellar or Inception or Tenant, different things like that where are way more intricate. Like this, I was like, yeah. all right. And I was expecting very, very contemporary Christopher Nolan compared to still early in his career, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Um. So that was probably my only dislike on it. Um, okay. But... Other than that, it is a fantastic movie because the the themes that really kind of come out for me, especially like you mentioned this before, but Thomas Edison and Nikolai T- Nikola Tesla, like they yeah, yeah. have this similar feud in real life. That, That's really interesting. That they so it's really cool the symbolism that Christopher Nolan is using between Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. Did you already say this or talk about this? I did, but you're good. You're you're not repeating it. Okay, you're like cool. Saying like your own your own fresh take. I also messed up the name. So at least you sound smarter (laughs) anyway. So I was just like, um, I was just like, well, this is actually really cool that he's like using kind of a real life, not as known. I mean, it's a joke like Tesla and Edison. There's like a movie about it now. Right. Yeah. But like movie, I haven't seen it, but it's not people when they think of light, like the, the light bulb, they think of Edison, but they don't actually know the, the uh, involvement in with Tesla in it. And that, how yeah, is there's that like feud about this? And then there's also a similar feud like that in history with Beethoven and um, Salieri. Mm. Um, it oh, kind okay. of gave me some of those. Uh, it kind of gave me some of those vibes. It was like um, Dimitri Salieri, I believe, was a writer with Beethoven, but Beethoven got all the mm. credit, and it was always. And it's kind of this huge theme in the movie of like 
you're giving your bows from beneath the stage, which is like the trickery that you do. Yeah. You're you you have to you're taking all the credit with people don't actually know well what you're doing. That's the thing too. Like it becomes like later, Hugh Jackman's character is more concerned about seeing the audience reaction and actually mm-hmm. like getting to experience it. Even at the very end, he's like well, I did it to see their reactions. That's the only reason I did anything. It wasn't yeah. about you. It wasn't even about revenge or anything. It was mm-hmm. all about him. This like praise from other people. Yeah, yeah. it's really powerful which is actually pretty similar to the Greatest Showman. <laughs> like, there's a very yeah, huge but similarity. Except in for that. this explores it in a better way. Anyways, yeah, no, of course. I mean, it explores it in an undeniable way. So, I think. Everybody has a great performance. The writing is so good, especially when we talk about the time differences and how, like, you know, we're, we're going back and forth between times. One of the only things that got me, I was like, wait, why is Hugh Jackman limping right now? And because we kept hey, jumping. Why is he in America? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, but, dude, on, honestly, I would give this movie probably a 9 out of 10. Like, it was a really good movie. I would give it a 4.5 out of 5. So, I think we're on the same page. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, any other notes to to add with um, Christopher Nolan? Not really. I mean, this is a cool... I mean, I guess, okay, this is one thing I do want to say about this film in particular is I feel like the production design is really strong in this movie. Like, it yeah. visually has some really cool set pieces mm-hmm. that I feel like Christopher Nolan doesn't always have the coolest production design. So I think yeah. this film... Maybe it's because of the time period and the whole Tesla stuff, but I think I feel like the production design stands out in this one for me. Also, just a side note, Andy Serkis is amazing. I love him so much. <laughs> He's so chill in this movie, too. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, cool. Well, yeah, that's all I have on um, on The Prestige. We got to wrap it up mm-hmm. because we're 40 minutes in, and um, my battery's about to die. So, guys, thank you for nice. stopping by. If you are, if you're a Christopher Nolan stan, we are going to be talking about him for the rest of the month, and we're going to be diving into some more movies that are pretty famous and some more that are, um, I would say, underrated heroes. So, Ooh. with that being said, guys, we are here for season two of the Clean Slate Podcast, guys. Two. If it's your first time, we have a whole year's worth of of podcasting episodes you can go back and check out and they're really fun um you can you yes, can sir. listen to me and carson just kind of goof off and talk about some stuff that we love but other than that guys stick around we're gonna have a lot more things in store for you coming up in the next year and we're really excited mm-hmm. to get going on it uh if you enjoyed this episode i want you guys all to go hug your moms yep just, just give them a hug and just say, give her a nice squeeze carson and daniel <laughs> whisper that in her ear let her know that hugs from us and uh yeah we'll catch you guys next week what are we watching next week so next week we are doing dunkirk and something else dunkirk Um, i barely know kirk (laughs) i hate you so much dude i think we're doing dunkirk and inception if i'm if my memory serves me that works for me let's do it that's it that's what we're doing all right cool we will see you guys next week that's a clean slate